back or welcome to the field of 12 after dark what is happening presented by bet river sportsbook i'm yogi roth joined by a couple all-americans right on somebody's list they've been there before christian hackenberg of course trevor knight fellas tonight you've seen it on social we're unveiling the 2022 pre-season all-american team we're going to talk heisman we're going to talk specialists we're going to talk of course offense and defense but before in uh in you know this is not tradition right i'm i'm, I'm youth i'm young to this uh toasting is the, at the beginning of the show but we're each gonna do a toast and i think because it's the all-american show we should toast our favorite place in america okay favorite place in america to watch the sport that we love i'm gonna go first i'm giving a toast to whatever stadium on the west coast at the 50 yard line calling a game big props i can't wait to get through all the you know what all we talk about is conference realignment all that stuff Get to the games. I'm toasting to that, fellas. Cheers. That's a great one, Yogi. That's a really good one. You guys are like the young under 30 crowd. You're like ripping real drinks. I'm like ripping water with two kids at home. <laughs> it's okay. Hacks, what do you got? Well, I mean, that's that's tough. I obviously I, I can't out my Nittany Lions and say that Beaver Stadium isn't the best place on earth during a whiteout. Uh, with the place rocking to watch. But I, I I'll say that as like a as a second, but I'm gonna say this this basement that I finished, I love sitting here mm. watching it on the big TV screen, uh, a couple cold ones and um, just me and some ball focusing in. My wife usually leaves me alone. So I appreciate that. You're here. You're here to that, dude. I, I'm going to go a different way. route. I'm going to do a very, a very um, domesticated route here, guys. I personally believe if you're not in the stadium or you're not in perfect weather out on the West coast, Yogi, backyard grills on you got some brats going you got some burgers going you got the outdoor tv rolling it's middle of october in texas so it's 75 80 degrees outside you got some folks playing cornhole off to the side you got the ladies over here doing whatever the ladies do during the game and you got the prime time matchup on about a 75 inch that which is way too big to be outside and the speaker's blaring, so all the neighbors are getting pissed off. There is nothing better than that right there. Everything's That's bigger in Texas, though, right? Everything no is doubt. Everything's bigger in Texas, though, right? No doubt. <laughs> I do wonder, though, if you have a 75-inch outside, like, what do you have inside? I don't. Like, I don't have a 75-inch oh, okay, outside. Okay. This is a dream, Yogi. <laughs> okay. Roll with me here. <laughs> I love it. You know, I, I, speaking of dreams, um, I'm sure both of you were dreaming of the AAF at some point in your career, but I, I got to go down memory lane before we start. I remember calling the preseason games with you two in the old Alliance League with our buddy Joey Roberts. And uh, I'm just fired up to be here with you guys. I've tracked your careers. Hack, I've known you since you were like 15, 16 years old, fellow Pennsylvania guy. And yep. uh, I'm fired up for tonight, man. Thanks for the time. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, Yogs. Okay. It's going to be a so, lot of fun. Hey, the AAF was legit, Yogi. AAF was uh, at least my experience. I probably spent more time on the golf course than the practice field, the football practice field. <laughs> but it was a it was a heck of a time, man. Good memories all the way around. All the way around. I hope you got paid. And that's another show in and of itself. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, so we're we're gonna release this is how this is gonna go tonight. Okay, we're gonna release all all our all American, the consensus from the group at the field of 12. Uh, and, and it's going to be fun. We're going to go position by position. We're going to break it down. We're going to debate. We're going to bring up names that maybe should be on the list. And we're going to celebrate who got on the list. But with that said, before we start, I want both of you to take this question because 
I believe this, and you lived in in the quarterback world, but quarterbacks are often being told who they are at a young age, right? I'm a five-star player. You got to live somebody else's definition of you. Same thing with these lists. Like it's our, it's our preseason All-American. We put this on players. You two lived pressure, like real pressure in major college football. What's your advice to the young men whose names we're going to say that have been on other All-American teams as well in terms of how to deal with those expectations that are placed upon them? Heck, go ahead, man. Yeah, I think I think as a society, we like to put unrealistic expectations on kids and we value sports. And now, you know, that may sound crazy as someone who's benefited greatly from from sports and the the notoriety and things that came with that. But at the same token, um, there needs to be a little bit of realization that this is just a game and and enjoy what you're seeing. Enjoy greatness while it's here. Uh, there's no need to debate back and forth, sit back and, and really relax. And as a player, I think if you can wrap your mind around that early, um, it's really powerful. It takes the pressure off of it. You separate, um, you separate work and play and you enjoy it while you got it. And I think that that's, that's something big heading in for a lot of these guys. And to your point though, Yogi, I mean, a lot of these guys have been under that microscope since they were young. It's all they know. So I think we've, as a, as a, as a crop of talent, we haven't been more prepared to handle these expectations. Um, but at the same time, I, I do want these guys to be able to feel like they can live it and be who they are um, and kind of have some type of separation between the two. So um, really excited for these guys though this year. Cool. Yeah, I, I agree with a lot that you say there hack. Um, I think my biggest piece of advice, both both to myself, if I looked back, and then also these guys now, and I wasn't an All-American, I was not a Heisman contender, any of those things, but I certainly felt some of the pressures, right? My, my advice would be, don't act like it's not there, embrace the pressure, all right? Because whether it's on the football field in college, or whether it's at the pro level, or whether it's afterlife, Hack and I were talking a little bit about what we do nowadays, and Life comes at you quick when you're, when you're in the real world, right? But nobody's ever going to hand you something. People will pat you on the back your whole life, tell you you can do this, you can do that. But at the end of the day, embrace all of that and then go make it happen. I saw today, I read that, you know, um, Nick Saban has been at Alabama since like 2007. And I think the tweet said since 2009, he's made like $101 million dollars which equates to like $21,500 a day, right? That's a lot of money. I think Nick Saban is a great leader because it would be very easy for any of us to go, man, I'm getting paid this much money. I'm going to kick my feet up. I'm going to let my coaching staffs, my coordinators run it, and I'm just going to sit back. But he's embraced that. He's embraced the pressure on him each and every year. And he's, you know, I don't know how old he is now in his 70s, right, or close to it. And he's still embracing that pressure every year and getting after it. And that's why he produces a lot of All-Americans, right? Because they take on that identity and he knows how to handle it himself. Yeah, that's that's well said, fellas. Um, I, I just finished and, and Hack was in it, this book called Five Star QB. And I interviewed 50 plus quarterbacks alongside Joey Roberts and, and talked to over 40, what I call ambassadors of the game, like elite coaches. And Chip Kelly, on the first page of the book, wrote, I think, the most powerful line in the book. No offense, Hack. But hmm. he said quote, praise and blame are all the same. Praise and blame are all the same. And, and I sat him down, I, I asked him, I said, tell me about this. And, and if you think about it, like, who doesn't get 
doesn't enjoy getting loved up, right? Like we're getting texts from our producers right now being like, hey, it's a great start to the show. It feels great. But if the text was the opposite way, should it ruin our night? And I think it's really important to recognize that for young athletes who now the pressure is growing immensely in high school, right? Today in the LA Times, uh, St. John Bosco, a premier high school, announced that they're going to have an NIL deal for the team. These guys are 14, 15, 16 years old. So bam, all of a sudden they're getting defined and loved up by everybody else. And then if they lose to modern day, they're going to get lit up by everybody else. Or if they don't make it in college, you guys have lived those experiences. And I just felt like that line was extremely poignant of praise and blame are all the same. And, and, and I believe that, um, especially at the quarterback position. So, so let's start there. The All-American, the 2022 Field of 12 All-American team at quarterback position. I don't think it's much of a surprise, uh, but it's Bryce Young uh, from Alabama. Uh, he's probably not making over $200,000 a day or a game or whatever that's, that was, uh, Trevor, but for him, he's a reigning Heisman trophy winner. You guys have been around him. Uh, I was with him this summer at the elite 11. He's got so many tools. He reminds me of Steph Curry, but at the quarterback position, uh, I'm going to start with you, Trevor. Uh, what do you think about that as the pick of the all American? What do you love about this young man and why should he be in that position? Well, I'm, I'm going to take it back to your quote real quick and, and I'll, I'll close the loop. Um, I think it's an incredible quote by Chip Kelly. And I think every successful quarterback, and I'll put myself in, in that, that, somebody that goes on and plays, right, um, had a coach, a parent, somebody of that nature speak some sort of advice like that into their life. I know my high school coach taught me, we called it being even keel, not get too high, not get too low, right? The blame or the praise. Don't, don't take it all and, and be emotional about it. Just ride that even keel wave. And it allowed me to calm down and go see the game better and play better and all those things. Well, we had an opportunity at the national championship game to do an interview with Bryce Young's dad. He sat down at our table and we started asking him questions about his son. And it was very apparent quickly why Bryce is the way that he is. The way that his dad spoke about his son, the way that he talked about how he molded his son and loved his son through the, the ups and the downs proved okay yes is this guy extremely talented absolutely has he been developed by great coaches absolutely but the apple doesn't fall far from the tree he has been raised in a family that has allowed him to be successful and he's he's stepped up to the plate he's proven that over his career so far and he's still got a lot of time left uh we'll get to the heisman talk later in the show i know but uh this guy's got a, a lot to look forward to this season yeah, Trev, I, I, I think that's awesome. And I'll take it more on an X's and O standpoint. You know, he's he's playing for a guy I know fairly well and Bill O'Brien on the offensive side there. Um, and I, Yogi, I think the Steph Curry comparison is fantastic. He's a facilitator. He plays point guard. Um, very, very accurate. <clears throat> he's not afraid to let his guys go ahead and make plays for him. Uh, very rarely does he force the needle and try to make something happen, which is tough to do. Um, and we, we saw that a little bit at the national championship game last year. And something that we said is that that experience was going to make him better. And I think, you know, being able to come in, Alabama does not rebuild. They continue to reload with talent. Um, and specifically when you're talking about the all American, I think this is going to be a theme that I'm going to talk about, you know, as much as it is an individual award, um, there's a lot of things and a lot of factors that go into it. And I think specifically at the quarterback position, I said this in a previous podcast, I think it's the most dependent position in sports. Um, you could have all the talent in the world, but if you don't have the right pieces around you, 
um, it's going to be hard to be successful. And Bryce has the perfect storm of all those things working in his favor. And to your point, uh, Trevor, the kids made right. And, uh, you know, I think the, the world's his oyster. Um, he can make everything that he needs to make out of this year. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to seeing him play and continue to develop and grow and, and look forward to his, the next step in his career in the NFL level. Yeah. I think this, this crop of quarterbacks, like I look at Bryce, CJ, CJ Stroud, Caleb Williams, let's just say they're the trio and there's other guys, right. Whether it's Cam Rising, yeah. Tyler Van Dyke, like there's other dudes, of course, that play at a high level, but I think those three at the top, I think they're going to become the blueprint for like the young hack. And the young Trevor of like, how do I manage this world of hype, expectations, NIL, money, family, dynamics? Like, how do I deal with it? I think these three are like the blueprint for that. And, and they're going to be fun to watch. Uh, they were both, they're all three of them were counselors this year at the Elite 11, which was really cool to watch them. It is every year to see counselors, but when guys are coming in and, and they've got a little bit of money and life has changed for them to watch them just play, right? You said earlier, I think Trevor liked fun and joy enjoyment around the craft these dudes have it and i'm excited for bryce he's got his father craig as you referenced in his back corner uh, kimberly stroud is in cj's both of them we interviewed as well uh in that quarterback book i was referencing and their advice to parents was just fascinating on how to how to help right and, and remember that it's not your life like it's your child's life like they're just on loan you don't own them and, and i love that side of it so bryce young comes in as uh, I think this is the first All-American in the history of Field of 12. So congrats to you, Bryce Young. Excited for your season and, uh, and your coach's extension. Uh, I think everybody else in the SEC is a little scared after they saw that one. All right, let's go to running back. Two players. There's a lot of talented backs in the country. I think there are a lot of talented backs. Bijan Robinson, you knew he was going to make this list from Texas with Sark. It's going to be exciting. And then I think there's some debate over the second running back in Travion Henderson out of Ohio State. I was a big Zach Charbonnet fan as well, but I, I think we can celebrate these guys tonight and anoint Henderson and Robinson as the two All-Americans in this list. Hack, we'll start with you on the running backs. What do you think? Yeah, I think Travion's and Bijan are both great picks. Um, you know, obviously I pay, I tune into the Big Ten a lot and being able to see Travion come in as a, as a young kid last year, a freshman, and, and do what he did in that league, which is traditionally a hard nose down the hill, physical inside the box type league um, was great. And I look for him to continue to take steps. Um, and again, another situation where you're stepping in and there's some other players from his team that are going to be on this list that definitely make his job easier. Um, so I, I think that that's obviously a great, a great choice. And then Bijan really explosive. And I think he's got a really unique opportunity down there at Texas. Um, you know, they got some good momentum going this off season, I know there's some uh, there's some doubters on the uh, quarterback down there, but I think he's going to help out um, and take alleviate some of that pressure from him from last year, even and it, it could be even more explosive. So both of these guys, great talents. Um, you know, when you talk about their individual game um, translates to any level. Uh, so I think that they're, they're going to be fun to watch, uh, you know, and I think uh, another guy that I wanted to mention too, you know, I'm excited for is Mo Ibrahim from Minnesota um, coming off a knee injury. Um, I think he's an interesting one to watch too. They could be a contender in the West and obviously all those things coming into it, but um, you know, wanted to give him a shout out and give him some, give him some roses because he definitely deserves it. So uh, looking forward to it though. I, I, I love, I love what you said about Travion Henderson. He is that he is your, you're stable, right? And and I'll say what what impresses me the most about him, especially this past year, is 
he made a name for himself when he had a quarterback that was all over every single list, every single TV show, right? He also had a receiving room that we may never see again, right? Maybe one of the greatest groups of receivers in college football history, and he still made a name for himself week in and week out. Uh, we still got some great receivers down there. Hack, you mentioned they're going to be on this list uh, as well as some other players, but he's going to be looked upon this year as a leader of not only that team, but uh, of, of a running back position in the country. And then Bijan, I think you were giving me a little uh, little side tweet there, Hack. <laughs> I, am, I, I, I don't know why. I mean, I could go into a dissertation about it, but I don't believe that Quinn Ewers is the answer for Texas football. I don't, I didn't think he was the answer for Ohio state football. Um, I went and watched him live and that's all I have to, to base it off of. Yeah. I know he's one of the highest recruited players of all time. Um, I know that he has a great arm. I know that he has the ability to be good, but I didn't like his demeanor and I didn't like the way he led that his, his teammates and the way he handled his recruiting process coming out of high school. So I'll, I'll let that go. But Bijan Robinson last year with a suspect quarterback, um, a suspect offensive line outside of one or two guys, still put himself on the map as an incredibly explosive football player that deserves to be the top of anybody's list. If they can put a couple pieces together and create a few holes for him this year, I think he's going to have an enormous season on the ground. The biggest piece of that is going to be Quinn Ewers, who has been named the starter, um, being able to, to go to the air and, and provide some sort of relief to uh, opposition stacking the box and trying to make that team one-dimensional. I like the storylines, fellas. Um, I think it's interesting, and Hack, you referenced the Big Ten. And if you look at Henderson at Ohio State, his play caller is Ryan Day. I reference Zach Charbonnet, who came from Michigan after having an All-American season there. He comes to UCLA, and his play caller is Chip Kelly. Ryan Day learned from Chip Kelly, right? Those guys go way back, like, to the beginning of their coaching careers together. So I'm, I'm excited for, like, call it, like, the Big Ten pipeline to a degree of, yep. uh, of running backs to see how this thing shakes out. Because the one thing that both of you said is that the balanced teams are going to have the running back that ends up as an All-American. Right, the teams that aren't able to move the ball through the air, whether that's Quinn Ewers or we know that's going to happen at Ohio State. Um, you referenced Ohio State and that receiving core. Let's move on to the wide receivers. Your 2022 field of 12 All-Americans of that position. We're going to go with one, probably not a surprise, Jackson Smith and Jigba from Ohio State. Jordan Addison from Pitt to USC, and then Josh Downs at North Carolina. Those are the three wide receivers that get named to the All-American squad. Um, there's so much to talk about. There's, yeah. there's so much to talk about about these guys. When you look, I, I think at least two of these three are, are difference makers wherever they go play, wherever they go play next at the next level. Curious, we'll start with um, you, Trev. What are your thoughts about the receiver position here tonight? Yeah, th these guys are freaks. All three of these guys are freaks. And uh, if you're a quarterback at any one of those three schools, uh, you should be licking your chop chops because those guys are going to make you look good regardless. Um, I think Jackson Smith and Jigba, some could argue he may be the best player in college football across the board, right? I mean, the guy, his production, uh, the way that he attacks the ball, his route running, his hands. I mean, it, it is every quarterback's dream to have a guy like that 
to throw to. Um, it'll be interesting watching Addison out at USC. He came from Pitt. He had um, he had a great quarterback, right, this past year. And so he goes over. He's joining Caleb Williams, and he's going to a high-powered offense with Lincoln Riley. Now, it's not just a Lincoln Riley offense, okay? Put some NOS in that thing because Lincoln Riley's got a chip on his shoulder with – of course, the, the, the untimely exit from OU, um, all, all the negative, uh, you know, surrounding that. And, uh, and now you've got uh, some big pieces of the puzzle coming up. And uh, if, if, if Caleb Williams, which I believe he can, can get him the ball, it's going to have a massive year. And then you go out to North Carolina and, and Mac Brown and that squad out there is going to find a way to get the ball in his hands a lot. Um, he's going to score a, a lot of different touchdowns, a lot of different ways. And uh, just, these guys are going to be fun to watch, making big plays and, and getting on a lot of highlight tapes as we go throughout the season. Yeah, I love Jackson Smith and Jake, but man, I think you made a great point about him being one of the most dynamic players in college football. And I think when you look at the team last year, and obviously with Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, you know, him being the three and then having his chance in the Rose Bowl last year and really, uh, really making the most of it. Um, I think he's kind of the perfect combination of the two. I thought Garrett Wilson was a little bit more of a switchblade kind of Swiss army knife in that offense. You could line him up inside. He could also run, uh, you know, some outside routes and things of that nature. But I thought he did things a little bit different than Chris did. Um, and Jackson, like I said, is kind of the perfect combination of those two. And I think that's what's going to give him a, a, a step up on anybody else bidding for an all American. Cause the kid can get touches in a ton of different ways. Um, you know, is he not, he's not tied to the X position being split out single can get clouded. You know, if you need to figure out creative mismatches, you can get them on safeties and linebackers and move them inside and he can still be productive and get in and out of cuts. So he's super, super dynamic. Um, Jordan Addison, obviously, like you said, you know, coming off the year he had Blitnikoff um, crazy that he left, but that's again, the world we live in with NIL. Um, and I think to your point, the offense fits, he's going to be in a, in a, in a great position to be as explosive as, as ever. I think USC, the, the tradition at the quarterback position, and then also at the wide receiver position speaks for itself. So, um, you know, the PAC 12 ball, they, they throw it around defenses usually play, play pretty simple and they're usually shootouts. So I'm really interested to see how he can, how he can adjust in creative ways they can get touches. And I think Josh Downs one's really interesting because, um, North Carolina, you know, the only real question mark of the three at the quarterback position, they're going to have a young kid coming in there, um, in, uh, Drake may, uh, unproven, doesn't have a ton of reps, you know, went through a quarterback battle, all, all camp. So the timing and the, um, the benefits you have of having a starter throughout camp, um, was kind of lost there, uh, in terms of timing during practice and then after practice. So, I'm curious to see the production. Uh, I talked about the ACC last year. I think there's a lot of question marks, you know, basically from the top two or three teams down in terms of what happens. I think there's opportunities for people to come out and make plays and be explosive. So, um, but Max done a great job of collecting some talent and um, you know, we'll, we'll see what, we'll see what comes out of that and how that shakes out. But I think that that's the one thing to watch with him on this list is can he get some consistent quarterback play? Um, down there to be able to get him the football. And, and he was, he was incredibly consistent last year. And I think that's what uh, has got him on this list. Um, I, re I read a stat. He ranked third nationally with 754 yards after catch. 
That's, yep. that's catching the ball and then making something happen with it. Right. That's, that's what you want as a quarterback. So, um, you know, w- w- the opportunity is there. They just got to get the ball in his hands. No doubt. I'm, I'm excited for this group. Um, most excited for Jordan Addison. Um, number one, like I think to, to the point you both made, it's, it's so unique. We've never seen the best player at his position in the country leave for another school where they're only there for six months or so. Um, I'm calling their opener. So I'm in preparation for that game. I've been over to SC, I'm obviously preparing and watching tape. He reminds you of Calvin Ridley. The dude can just ride. Like, and I, I am so excited to watch him just run a post route and run by dudes, right? Run a dig route, run an over route, and just run through defenses. And, and what's going to be unique is out here on the West Coast, heck, the defenses, what really is a variance is pre snap. Like you can turn on whether it's Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, Colorado, Oregon, Oregon State, Stanford. You're going to see something different from every one of those. So that's what I'm most excited about just for that offense. Right? They didn't have spring ball to go together with. Um, these guys haven't been thrown together for a year, a year and a half, like some relationships like CJ Stroud, for instance. So I'm most excited to watch the development and evolution of the passing game at SC as it goes on. Because Lincoln Riley has proven as one of the best play callers in the last decade in college football. And we know what Caleb can do. We know what Jordan his potential is after what he did a year ago. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to watch these guys week one, let alone as they get rolling into the season. Um, all right, tight end. I, I want to announce our All-American, and then I also want to have a philosophical conversation. So, so Hack, I'm going to hit you up on Brock Bowers out of Georgia. He is the All-American um, for the field of 12 in 2022. I'd love your analysis on him. And then I want to flip it over to you, Trevor, and talk about this position because – Tight end is like in air quotes. It could be old school tight end. It could be hand in the dirt tight end. It could be flex tight end. It could be uh, you're going to be in the wing a little bit as a tight end. You're going to be an H-back tight end. Like I just think the position flexibility is dramatically different than it was when you played, when I played. Um, and certain guys aren't even up for the Mackey where they play tight end because the award committee is saying, well, you don't put your hand in the dirt enough, which is a unique conversation in and of itself. So Hack, let's talk about Brock Bowers first, and then Trev, let's talk about the position. Yeah, I think what he did last year, again, another young guy. Uh, I think he was a freshman, redshirt freshman, something like that last year, but young guy in terms of uh, his experiences at the college level. Played in every stage and every spotlight that you could think of and figured out ways to make plays. Um, He bends well, he can run well, uh, catches the football, obviously, which is a huge thing, you know, any, any way, any way that he needs to get it done, he does it. And I think to your point, Yogi, what, what I think separates him from a lot of guys is that he is the all encompassing tight end. He is not afraid to stick his nose in there and, and, and be a factor in the run game, especially at a place like Georgia, where that is a heavy, heavy part of their offense and how they operate. Um, they want to establish the run and then everything else opens up after that. If you have a guy who's not willing to do that, <clears throat> his impact gets limited because you're going to have to be switching out personnels and then you're not really creating a mismatch from a scheme standpoint. You're creating more mismatches based on skill set. So he not only has skill advantages, but he also, um, because of his willingness to stick his hand, his hand in the dirt, his nose in there, um, and, and has a willingness to block, he doesn't have to leave the field you know, you could be in 12 personnel or 11 personnel and realistically you're swapping out a receiver and Brock Bowers is there. If you want to go into, if you want to go into 10, you could leave Brock Bowers out there as a receiver. He does not have to come off the field. So 
he um he's 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 very very special and i think uh i think his development in in kind of throwback but new school combination is what really intrigues me about him um and then again the scheme down there uh, i think really fits his skill set well yeah i'll talk about brock for just a second and then into tight end uh, in general yogi question but i think biggest things that Brock beans brings to the table is that he's a young guy who's now an old guy. Yeah, he is young. He's a, he's only a sophomore, but the experience that he gained last year, he is now a leader on that ball team. Um, and he set the standard for what tight end should be uh, around the country, at least for the next couple of years. And then a national championship under his belt. Not many guys can say that early on in their career. And that should give you all the confidence in the world to go and try and chase that goal again. But in terms of, of him and as it relates to just the tight end position, back in the day, it was, okay, can the guy put his hand in the ground and can he move, you know, a nine tech or a seven tech? Or, or what can this guy do to help us in the run game? And then uh, we got to sub him out if we want to bring in another tight end to go back at an H-back position and come and do kind of a split blocking and, and cut the end coming up the field. And then we got to run him off the field and bring in another guy that's going to, you know, we're going to go 10 personnel and spread it out. Well, nowadays, Hack, you hit it on the head. Being dynamic is what a great tight end has to be. To be able to put that defense in a bind when we're running these no huddle offenses so that we can switch from, you know, 10 personnel to 11 personnel, bring in another guy and, and, and you, you can run a bunch of different plays out of a bunch of different formations without ever taking anybody off the field. And you see that at every level. Who are the best tight ends in our game today? Right. Travis Kelsey, the guy's a freak of nature and he can do it all. He can put his hand in the dirt. He can run routes just like a receiver can. Uh, he can get in the backfield. He can do it all. Mark Andrews, same thing. Mark Andrews came in to college as a receiver and he almost left Oklahoma because Bob Stoops and staff wanted to switch him to tight end. Obviously, you see how that's worked out for him. Right. George Kittle, another guy. These guys are athletic enough to be receivers but they're tough enough to stick their hand in the dirt. And just that dynamic, that's the perfect word for it. Being dynamic is the new position uh, for tight end in college football. Yeah. I feel like we need like a new name for it. You know, I, I look out here yeah. on the West coast, there's, there's three really <clears throat> talented guys. Uh, Brent Keithy, he, they didn't put him on the maculus because he doesn't put his hand in the dirt, but he plays tight end. He does all the things that you reference. He'll remind you of some of those guys you talked about in the NFL. Ben Urosik's at Stanford. He's the next great one. We've seen so many of them kick out to the NFL. And Luke Musgrave, uh, if you're on the West Coast, you'll know the last name. His, his uncle played at Oregon, was an All-American, longtime coordinator in the NFL. Uh, this is a dude that grew up as like an alpine skier at 6'6", 270, can do it all. So I'm excited for that position as a whole. So I think it's given like big guys who maybe can't ride another position versus having to put on so much weight when they're in high school and feeling that pressure. Like, no. We have a spot for you. So th those are our, all of our skill guys. L let's go to the big dudes up front and rip through this group here. On the offensive line, our All-Americans are uh, at center. Jared Patterson out of Notre Dame. Man, do they just continue to develop that position. Uh, Paris Johnson Jr., Ohio State. Peter Skaronsky out of Northwestern. I know people are giving him a ton of play. Caleb Chandler out of Louisville. And Andrew Voorhees from the USC Trojans, a multiple-year starter as well. So those are our offensive line and the big dudes up front hack i know you've been you've been chopping at the bit yeah. to talk all yeah. line here let's go 
No, I do. I kind of want to talk it just, you know, broad spectrum, broad strokes, right? I think like when you're looking at offensive linemen and what separates them from the rest, what's the All-American batch from the rest? And I think, you know, just as the average college football fan watching, you know, this probably doesn't mean much, but the evolution of today's game kind of going to more of that spread, throw to green grass, you know, these guys aren't being asked to handle protections and then, you know, or even complex protections from a pass from a play action standpoint um a lot of it's just can you move your feet because the guys on the other side are bigger faster stronger than they ever have been um can you stay in front of them and uh you know when you get the opportunity to get in space and you know whether you're pulling pulling and getting on an edge on a toss or some type of wide receiver screen or middle screen something like that when you get in space are they athletic enough to be able to get those get the get a hat on a on a linebacker or a safety who are who are who are smaller framed and, and much more agile. And you're seeing that evolution, you know, just lo- look at the NFL combine. You have guys who are 325 pounds running four sevens. It's insane. So uh, when, when, when I'm evaluating guys, you know, do they have that ability? Do they have that twitch to get in that space, make those things? Do they have the flexibility and, 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 and arm length and things of that nature to create space um, you know, I really, I really look for that. And all these guys have that, um, in their own unique ways. And I think that this position, uh, similar to the tight end position is changing. It's the way that the direction that football's headed offensively and, and what they're being asked to do is changing. And, um, you have to adapt or die. And I think that, um, it's, it's, it's really fun to watch when you get in the nitty gritty of, of an offense, because they are the living, breathing, lungs and heart of an offense no matter how you no matter how you cut the cake so um this evolution has been fun to watch and all these guys have that and it's going to be really exciting to see um this continue and this trend continue and even trickle down into the high school level yeah yeah i i I think that from an offensive line standpoint i'm going to give a a little basketball reference here and a shout out to our friends over at the field of 68 um, it, it is unfair for offensive linemen today. It's like guarding Kevin Durant back in the day. Hey, you got a seven foot center. You got to be one dimensional, right? You got to be tall. You got to be able to move your feet and kind of body him up in the paint, but you're not leaving the paint. Nowadays you're having to guard a seven footer and he's going to be in the paint. Then he's going to pop out and he's going to shoot threes all over the place. He's going to bring the ball up the court. I mean, it is, it is unfair to a defense to have to guard a Kevin Durant. Well, it's the same thing on the offensive line. Hacky mentioned it. Some of these guys that are coming off the edge nowadays, the size, the speed, um, the strength that these guys have as an offensive lineman, you have to be multi-dimensional to be successful. And if you're not, you're going to get exposed over and over and over again. And that's what makes this group special. Now I'll call one of these guys out. Jarrett Patterson, just because he's the center, right? I have a, a very special place in my heart for centers because I think centers are the are the the quarterback, the captain of that group culturally. And culturally, with that offensive line, everybody sees it in every locker room. It is fun to watch how close an offensive line unit gets from a friendship level and a brotherhood level on a year-to-year basis. So on top of his incredible play and his incredible skills that we've talked about, I'm excited to watch Jarrett Patterson and the way that he brings that entire Notre Dame group of offensive linemen together as a brotherhood this fall. 
Yeah, I feel like every year since I was like cheering for Ron Paulus, I don't even know if you guys were yeah. alive for Ron Paulus. Like Notre Dame has had like somebody on the O line that you're just like, damn, like this dude is just elite. And then every couple of years, another one gets inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame. Uh, maybe he'll be the next one. Who knows? Uh, all right. So just a quick reset here. Our offensive All Americans in 2022 from the field of 12 quarterback, Bryce Young, running backs, Bijan Robinson, Trayvon Henderson. Uh, wide receiver, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Jordan Addison, Josh Downs. Tight end, Brock Bowers. And the offensive line, as we just referenced, Jared Patterson, Paris Johnson Jr., Peter Skaronsky, excuse me, Caleb Chandler, and Andrew Voorhees. That's your offensive group. We'll see what happens at the end of the season where we net out. I'm sure we'll be doing a postseason All-American squad. Uh, but now let's go to defense. All right, back in the day, it used to say defense wins championships. A couple of years ago, Nick Saban said, nah, I think offense wins championships. But we do know you have to at least be able to slow some people down. And I think this list of players, they elevate their team and their team's chances of getting to the playoff or back to the playoff. So let's start there on the defensive front. At the edges, we'll go on the defensive edges. Uh, Will McDonald from Iowa State. Miles Murphy out of Clemson. No surprise there from Clemson. Man, they just continue. Since they won the Natty, that defensive front has been real. Trev, uh, I'll let you start there. What do you think about those two guys from two different respective conferences? Well, well, freaks, right? They're both freaks, like we just mentioned. I mean, these guys have the ability to take over a game um, with the attributes that they hold. But Will McDonald, he's tried and true, right? Iowa State, what an awesome story they've had uh, there in Ames. But this guy was at least on one list, right? First team All-American last year. He was second, third on a couple other lists. Uh, you know, consensus first team All-Big 12. He started his career as a linebacker. So to our point, you know, he's a very athletic guy that, that puts on some weight and goes and puts his hand in the dirt. And, and he's going to be looked upon as an older guy this year to uh, be a catalyst for that defense, a defense that has come a long way in the Big 12. And he will put them in an opportunity to win some football games uh, by making some big plays in the backfield. And then Miles Murphy at Clemson. Um, I am excited to watch Clemson as a football team this year because, um, you know, the, the ups and downs, whatever you want to call it over the, this past year, I think they've got some really good stability. And, uh, and, and the reason is, is because of guys like Miles Murphy. One thing I love about him is we talked about hype and people patting you on the back. This guy's a former top five recruit in the country. He comes out, he's a freshman All-American. And he's just continued to buy into the system and get better and better and better. Um, he, he's got the ability this year to shake up the national co college football conversation from his position group and then go make himself a whole lot of money at the next level when that time comes. Yeah, I think Clemson, I'm, I'm going to touch on Miles Murphy, and I think you you did a great job of intro on both these guys. But Clemson has just benefited from – the system and an expectation being set over a long period of time. And specifically at that position um, on the defensive front, uh, it's been rinse and repeat. It's been another guy, another guy, another guy. It's a kudos to their recruiting efforts. It's a kudos to their development efforts, both um, from a skill set standpoint and then in the weight room. Um, so, yeah, I think when you're, when you're talking defense and you're talking defensive front seven, Again, similar to the offense, do they have a frame? Do they have the intangibles? And then how can we develop them while we have them here from a fine skill standpoint? And those are the guys that usually separate themselves. There's a ton of raw talent that does get to the NFL and ends up developing later that get missed off these lists. But these are the guys who have taken the steps, bought into the system, 
and have done a great job of not only developing from a physical standpoint, but also from a technique standpoint, which gives them a little bit more of an advantage from the other guys in the, in the, in the field. Yeah. There is something to be said when a player comes in highly ranked and then they perform that way. Right. I can remember Kayvon Thibodeau was a top 10 pick last year. And I remember Mario Cristobal used to always say, yeah, he's a five-star recruit, but he had like a five-star work ethic. Like, I think that that's amazing to hear about Miles as your reference. So let's stay in Clemson, right? You, you know the name we're going to say here as we round up the D-line. And I think it's important to reference, like, D-linemen in this era, they're moving all over the place. And I can remember when uh, Brian Bruzzi came out of high school and saw him at the opening. He was the first guy not only in line to win the drill, but he was also the first guy to go talk to uh, a kid fighting cancer. Like, he just had so much to him that I was like, you, like, whatever you do, I just want to follow that. Like, you you are an amazing player, but an even more impressive young man. He's thriving there. And then Jalen Carter uh, out of Georgia, the one guy that didn't get drafted, right, because he's returning <laughs> to that defense. Uh, so as you look at the defensive line as a whole and those two players, um, Trevor, let's start with you. Like, what jumped out to you? And, and I, you referenced Miles Murphy. Well, here comes his teammate right next to him. It's going to be pretty hard to stop. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, you know, when when I think about interior defensive linemen, um, not not always the showiest guys, right? You got these guys out on the edge that are getting all the sacks, right? And they're they're uh, they're running crazy times in their forty. These interior guys, when I think of them, I just think of power, right? The ability to be two gap guys, the ability to force these guys outside force these guys to a different gap. So you got your linebackers coming up and, and, and being very sound behind them, right? These are the guys that are, um, that are truly in the battle. You know, you talk about a car wreck every single play. This is where that car crash and that car wreck happens. And these are the two of the best of them in the league. Now, I don't want to take anything away from them. They are phenomenal athletes. These guys would, would, would run circles around me, I'm sure, on any sports surface that there is. I'm sure they could pick up a tennis racket nowadays and be great at tennis. But um, powerful, low to the ground, playing with good pad level, and, uh, and forcing the, the, the opposition to be in a place where other guys can make plays is something that these guys are extremely, extremely talented at. Yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm sad that you guys aren't playing anymore, but I'm also happy because I know you're not getting hit in any of these wrecks by these defensive <laughs> yeah. linemen. Yeah, yeah, we've had plenty of those, I think, both of us. Um, the I think both of these guys are really unique because they were the focal point of, I think, both of these teams' paths, right? Like Clemson obviously took a little bit more of a up-and-down path, whereas Georgia really rode that defense early on in the season until the offense started picking some momentum up, and that ultimately led into a, a national championship for the Bulldogs, which is awesome. And I think um, your description, uh, Trevor, of like the inside guys, like can they be disruptive? Can they command double teams? They're not going to be the sack leaders, but they're going to show up on on every single run play. They're going to be around the football. They're going to be disruptive. You're going to see bodies in the backfield, and it's mainly going to be because of these these types of players and specifically these two guys. So <clears throat> I think just overall development again and playing within the schemes, the schemes obviously put these guys with certain roles and certain uh certain jobs that they need to accomplish on a play-to-play -play basis and they do it at a high level. So I think again, similar, another just replace uh, rinse and repeat for both of these guys and replace for, I think Jalen in a way, you know, especially um, 
uh, especially with the talent that Georgia lost up front, you know, he's going to have to step up and take a, take a, take a little bit more of a load than he probably did last year. But, um, you know, I, I look forward to both of them being focal points again uh, in both of their respective defenses this year. Yeah. It's going to be fun to watch Jalen Carter in the opener against the Oregon ducks. Because as we move to linebacker, you're going to hear a name from Oregon. You're also going to hear another name from the SEC. So let's talk about our All-Americans at that position. And I think these three guys might hear their name called early when we get to next spring. That's Will Anderson, Jr., one of the top players at any position in America. He's a preseason. Is he a Heisman contender? We'll talk about that at the end of the show. A little tease there. Jack Campbell out of Iowa. Again, like just out of central casting. Give me a badass linebacker out of Iowa. There it is. And then Noah Sewell. Noah Sewell at 265 pounds running a four five. Come on now. Sideline to sideline. This dude's an absolute thumper. Those three guys are difference makers. Like you got to game plan these dudes. Uh, Hack, when you've watched them, uh, I know you study the Big Ten as well as anybody yeah. in America. What do you think about Jack Campbell when you hear his name? Yeah, I mean, you said it best. Prototypical Iowa linebacker. I think he's got a little more flash and flair because, again, similarly to some other positions we talked about, I think the linebacker position is really evolving as well because of what you're asking them to do. Do you need to substitute in a nickel? Do you need to get an extra an extra speed guy on the field to match up? No, a lot of these guys can actually go in and, and match up with these linebackers and pass coverage and things of that nature. So, um you know, when, when you look at the overall evolution of the position, I think all three of these guys fit that bill from an athletics, from an athleticism standpoint, but specifically to Jack Campbell, um, you know, Kirk Ferentz has done a great job of developing talent over, over his tenure there. Um, you know, very rarely do you hear of Iowa having a top 25, top 50 recruiting class in the country, but every four or five years, you always hear Iowa as a top 10 football team. So a big, a big tip of the cap to Kirk Ferentz over there. And I think Jack Campbell is one of those catalysts, especially on the defensive side of the ball where they play sound. And realistically speaking over the past 10 years in college football, Iowa has found creative ways to turn the football over better than anybody else. Um, and you need a guy, you need a quarterback on that side of it. And that is Jack Campbell. So um, again, just being able to see these guys operate, see them run in space, like, going back to the first conversation we had, just embrace it as a fan and enjoy it. Like I enjoyed watching Noah Sewell at Oregon all year last year, even though he beat Ohio state and, and that really hurt uh, the big Ten's chances at having a, a, a at least early on um, a sure shot contender. And then Michigan ended up coming out and being the Cinderella story um, in the college football playoff. But uh, it's just, just enjoy it and really, really embrace the fact that these guys are, 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 it's it's greatness in front of us so just watch it and and i think that it's going to be really fun really fun to see all three of these guys play this year and and countless others as well i think the the linebacker position for me as a former player was always the most frustrating to game plan against and and the reason why is because if you've got a guy like will anderson jr on the other side of the ball from you You've got to be mindful of him every single snap. He's not going to be a guy where you can, you know, hand off outside zone and, and watch the guy get the corner. No, Will Anderson's going to be there. He's going to make the play. He's not a guy that you're going to be able to dictate all that well with your eyes because he's too athletic. He's too sound in his in his um, in his in his film preparation, in his athleticism uh, across the board to be able to dictate him in one way or the other. So on top of dealing with all the other things that come as playing a quarterback, 
I think the linebacker position is one that you've got to be most cognizant of when you're playing against it. Will Anderson Jr., potentially one of the best players in college football. We'll talk about him in a minute. Uh, the, the thing that scares me the most about him was his, uh, was his picture in the team photo where it looks like he's going to eat somebody. And I think that is very indicative of what he's going to do to uh, offenses this fall. I mean, the guy is, is, is tried and true, and he's, he's an absolute freak of nature. Uh, Jack Campbell, you guys mentioned, solid linebacker, typical Iowa linebacker with some flair. And then Noah Soul. It runs in his family. There's three There's three brothers in the family, and they're all three linebackers, and they've all been successful. So I don't know what they're feeding them at that table. It's like linebacker soup or something crazy like that. And our producer, don't don't tweet that out because I know I'm going to get eaten up for calling it linebacker soup. But, um, but those guys just – they've been bred to do this. The guy has done a phenomenal job. Their, their family has done a phenomenal job of developing great linebackers. Um, but this cast right here, you can put them up against any uh, any other linebacker crew in, in years past, and um, I'd take these just about over. I love that. Well, I have a feeling linebacker soup's going to be tweeted out. Uh, you could put O-line, a, little, a little sprinkle of O-lineman because Penesul, don't forget, he's a brother. There you go. Yeah, NFL, you're right. So it's not just, yeah. just linebackers. But I'll, I want to tell a quick story about uh, Noah Sewell. I remember seeing him in high school at the opening, which is kind of football heaven for recruiting. And at the time, there was a drill going on, and it was linebackers, running backs in between two cones, and you basically had to see if you can shake the linebacker. And Noah Sewell was pretty heavy. He's probably about 250 then. And he was hawking, I mean, hawking every five-star running back in the country. And after every time, he would scream out, you think I'm a D-lineman now? You think I'm a D-lineman now? And, and he just has that, that it factor to him. Uh, saw him last week. I was at Oregon's practice, and – I'm just so excited for him, not only physically, but him and the other two men on this list, specifically Will Anderson Jr. You look at the head coach of these rosters, right? You look at what Nick Saban has done for defensive players. I can't wait to see what Dan Lanning does right now, like how he can elevate that game. And oh, by the way, he's playing Georgia. You know, I've been on a bunch of radio shows in the South in advance of that game and Utah, Florida. And I feel like there's a narrative of like, yeah, I don't know if Oregon will be able to handle it physically. Like, if there's one thing this defensive front seven will do, be able to handle it physically, and it's because of that guy. He's a tone setter, and, and I'm excited to watch him play in the opener and, and hopefully all season long. Uh, all right, so let's go to the back end. Um, you know, we've got five positions here, which I think is fair, right? Just like the NFL, college football, uh, maybe even high school football now, like nickel is kind of a position. Uh, so we went with three corners and two safeties. So your 2022 field of 12 All-American secondary is as following. And there's some debate here, but we got a lot of talent. Eli Ricks out of Alabama. Cam Smith, South Carolina. Riley Moss out of Iowa. Another player from Iowa on this side of the ball. Jordan Battle for Alabama. Antonio Johnson out of Texas A&M. Those are your DBs, the members of the secondary what lights you up about this group before we get to the specialists and then the Heisman hack, go ahead and start us off. Yeah. I think this group, you know, obviously uh, it, I think taking a poke at the secondary is really tough, especially preseason. You know, you never know how things are going to shake out. I feel like it's one of the tougher positions to play consistently. Well, you're on an Island, like 
you're going to get beat and how you handle that, um, how the system kind of plays into putting you into good situations to be successful is another factor. But obviously, you know, looking forward to all these guys playing. Um, but I think realistically speaking, the secondary position is so wide open. And I think that there's going to be guys who do show up this year that could be on our end of the season list. Um, just they're in a rhythm, they're feeling the flow, you know, they may, for whatever reason, have that step up. So I think, um, you know, obviously these guys are our picks heading into it. I, I expect all five of these guys to have a great season. But um, again, I think it's just one of those positions that's so dependent and there's so many things that go into it. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing, not to take anything away from these guys, but I'm looking forward to seeing the competition and kind of how those guys that you don't think about kind of make their way into this, make their way into this conversation towards the end of the year. I, I love the DB position group um, as well. I mentioned the, the O-line earlier about just kind of their cohesiveness and how they come together as a brotherhood. Uh, the DBs is a different breed as well. Um, they feed off of confidence. Uh, they feed off of each other, hyping each other up. They are the guys, you know, after seven on seven in the summer, they pull out the, the rope ladder and they're doing footwork drills until they're blue in the face because they think it's going to help them lock down the best wide receiver across from them, which it, it may, may or may not, but they put in the work. Um, they do a great job of, of building confidence amongst that group of guys. And then they just feed off each other. They're the guys running around flailing their arms after a big pass breakup or getting a pick and they go crazy for 45 minutes. They create a lot of hype on the field. And, uh, and I think you're right, Hack. It's, it's very hard to speculate who's going to be the best um, year in and year out, especially at the beginning of the year. But um, the guy that can just be consistent, that can have a good week one and then build on that confidence to week two. And then, oh, man, I, I let a guy go past me, but I'm going to come out the next drive and I'm going to have a, a, a pass breakup or I'm going to get a pick or, uh, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a safety and I'm going to come down and make a big play off the edge, right? What Whatever that big play is, these are the guys on that side of the ball outside of the DNs that are making sacks that are going to have to uh, provide a spark in the game that turns the tide that turns the energy within a stadium. Um, I think all of these guys have the ability to do that. Yeah. One guy that I think would be like, could you, you could argue is on this list is Clark Phillips. He's a one-time Ohio state commit flipped, went to Utah, started since he got there, started in the pandemic year. And last year you just turn on the Rose bowl and that's the player that jumps out. And I, and I love what you said about you got to do your job every snap, right? You have to be consistent, but then when a play needs to be made, you don't just knock it down, but you come up with the pick. And, and hey, I love quietly they, Utah's had this pipeline there in the secondary that I think has been really impressive, whether it's Jalen Johnson, Julian Blackman in the NFL now. And I think Clark Phillips will be that next that next guy. And I'm excited to watch him match up against Jordan Addison and, and watch a lot of these guys interconference match up against one another. Because that's when I think we'll see who the real dudes are that can can make the play on the ball, not just knock it down, but come up with, with a game type of turning play. There's usually like a level of instinct too that totally. I think separates the separates the 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 men from the boys in that in that field. Like the, you look at Ed Reed and the old school guys, like they just knew when they could cowboy it a little bit and make that that tide turning play in the game. Um, and I think those the guys that have a little bit of that, um, but are still disciplined enough to do their job on a consistent basis, are the ones that that are elite. 
I, I think yeah. one of the ones in, in, in recent years that's probably one of my favorite DBs ever to watch is Tyran Matthew, the honey badger. Yeah. I mean, the way that that guy made a difference in football games outside of just being technically sound and being a good DB, he made huge plays and he got the whole crowd into it. Uh, small guy in stature, but incredibly confident in himself. Yeah. Oh, a fun story because I know we all love the quarterback position, but do you remember last year? when David Blau was watching his wife run in the Olympics, she was Loved running track it. for Columbia. It was, it was epic, right? Well, his wife's younger brother, her name is Melissa. His name's Christian Gonzalez. I think he's gonna be a first round pick at corner. He's all a six, three can run like the wind. He's over two Oh five transferred from Colorado to Oregon. Keep an eye on him week one, because he's got all of the tools. I just sat down with him last week and, He's exactly what you want. And that's why I think it's fun when we like look into games, like all these dudes that are on, on this All-American list at every position, whether they made it our list or not, they all do their job at a really high level. Who, to, to what Hack said, like who's got those unique traits? Who can do something instinctually that, that maybe somebody else can't? That's going to be fun to track as we transition uh, into specialists. Before we do that, just to reset in case you missed anybody here, uh, the All-American, 2022 Field of 12 All-Americans on defense are as follows. On the defensive front, Will McDonald, Iowa State. Miles Murphy, uh, Byron uh, Bruzzi, both out of Clemson. Jalen Carter from Georgia. Will Anderson, Jr., Alabama. Jack Campbell of Iowa. Noah Sewell, Oregon. Eli Ricks, Alabama. Cam Smith, South Carolina. Raleigh Moss, Iowa. Jordan Battle, Alabama. And Antonio Johnson out of Texas. A&M and specialists. As the phrase goes, you are people too. And we're going to make sure that we give you a little bit of love. Uh, I'm just going to rip through all of the All-Americans, guys. Um, and I'm curious your take on these players and on the specialist itself. I mean, these guys live on a proverbial island, like all practice long. And we know they take a ton of heat or get a ton of praise based on the last three seconds of a ball game. But a kicker, Jake Moody out of Michigan. At punter, Adam Corsack out of Rutgers making the list. All right. I see Jersey representing their hack in the backdrop of your beautiful basement. Mm-hmm. Kick returner, Brian Batty, Batty out of South Florida. And a punt returner, Anias Smith out of Texas. A and M. Those are your specialists. Next year, I promise we will have a holder. We don't have that now, but send us in who you think should be nominated for that as a former holder. I think it's a critical <laughs> position, guys. <laughs> So very I'll, critical. Yeah, I'll, I'll go first on, on the specialist, Yogi. I, I think that, um, yes, they are people too. And, and we make a joke of it, but, um, we were, you know, we always were told by any coach that I have, there's three phases to this game. And, uh, whether you're an offensive guy or a defensive guy, you'll make an argument for that. But, um, but special teams has a huge impact and we see it every year in rivalry games in big matchups and, and just week to week. And, um, you know, whether it's the kicker, the punter, or, or you're in the return game, you can have a massive impact on the swing um, of a football game. But a, a couple stories at, at kicker. We had a guy when I was at Texas A&M, we were um, playing Tennessee uh, at home. It was college game day, uh, number eight versus number nine. Uh, we end up coming back, Josh Dobbs and Alvin Kamara come back and, and we tie the game. We go into overtime. Well, in the first overtime, we drive down and, and our kicker, Daniel LaCamera, comes out and and uh, it, phenomenal kicker, but he shanks one. I mean, he shanks it bad, right? And so 
uh, end up missing the field goal uh, at the end of, excuse me, at the end of regulation, we end up going into overtime. And in the first overtime, the dude comes out, ice water in his veins, game on the line and drills one right down the middle. And uh, just the emotions that a kicker has um, to be able to do it consistently week And, he's a and, week out. and when your name is called and there's always pressure on you as, as a quarterback or another position, but kicker in those little moments, you got to have ice water in your veins. And then punter as well. We're seeing it with Matt Ariza, you know, at San Diego state and now in the NFL, a guy that can truly flip the field for your football team. It's becoming just like every other position. It's not just uh, oh, go out there, kick the ball, good hang time, those types of things. But, truly an asset uh, to your, to your football team to where we're seeing these guys get drafted higher and higher and higher and higher. And then the return game, of course, field position battle is huge. Um, if you've got a guy that can be dynamic back there with your scheme and fit into that and get a couple extra yards for you, it could be the difference. The, the, the statistics of being 10 yards further um, it, in your increase in, in the ability to score a touchdown, the statistics are crazy when it comes to that. So the, the return game has a huge impact as well. So these guys will make a huge impact for their ball clubs this fall and, and look to them to, uh, to do so. It's going to be fun to watch. I think I Trevor it. summed it up. I think that's yeah, hard did. to follow up, Yogi. I mean, I don't, I don't know where that's to go. Pretty much good, Frank there. Gantz. Frank Gantz, who is a legend at the special teams position um, in the history of the NFL. He would be proud of that dissertation. Uh, my college roommate, one of them was Andy Lee, who I think is almost at 20 years in the NFL as a punter. So for all those punters out there, go for it, man. So you could drop it right in the garbage can, right? 42 and a half yards. Give me a little four, six hang time and away you go. Uh, but that is all, all, our All-American team for 2022. I'm excited to see not only comp the preseason to the postseason, but then also who ends up in the NFL draft. I think it's gonna be fun for us to track that at three different stages throughout this football season. But we know what happens in early December after championship weekend, it's Heisman weekend. Um, I've been there many times, fellas. It is a really cool deal. As we look at the Heisman favorites, according to Bet Rivers Sportsbook, I wanna give you the, the top five guys. Um, CJ Stroud, and this is in order, Bryce Young, Caleb Williams, who has yet to start an entire season. Will Anderson, who we talked about. Bijan Robinson, uh, an All-American here. Uh, those are the favorites. I'm curious how that nets on you both. And then do you see some long shots? Vegas has some long shots. and uh, Bet River Sportsbooks has some long shots. Do you have some long shots for that? Hack, I'll let you kick the party off. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a very solid list. Obviously, CJ, um, he has everything going for him. He's got the reins of an extremely high-powered offense. He has a very talented guy behind him, has a ton of talent outside, um, very stout up front. Thought played fantastic last year, even in the losses. You know, very rarely do you see a kid that young go out there and throw for 400 yards against Oregon and lose, especially at Ohio State. That's not something they're used to doing. But, um, you know, I love that. I think Bryce Young's another – obviously, you can't, you can't knock the reigning, the reigning Heisman – um, Caleb going to be interesting to see. I think you made a great point. Yogi hasn't played a full season yet. That's, that's always, that's always kind of a wild card there. Um, 
you know, will dynamic as ever, but I think it's really tough to get a defensive guy to win it. I think it's super, super hard. Um, Bijan though. I really like Bijan. I think for all the reasons that Trevor kind of touched on earlier, he drove that team last year to what success that they had with really little to no help. Um, and if he can get something, which I, I think he will be able to this year, get some help and alleviate some pressure. I think he's a guy who could really jump from kind of the bottom of this pack to up to the top as the, as the year goes on. But I think it's a very solid list. Um, obviously, thanks to our, to our, to our great sponsors at Bet Rivers for putting this together for us. Um, and, uh, you know, really looking forward to seeing these guys get the season kicked off. It's always so hard. Like when you're talking preseason, you know, I, I don't know about you guys, but like being a former player, all this, all this hype doesn't really much mean much to me. Like I want to, I want to hear the pads crack. I want to see who shows up week one and, and, and who can show it. So um, that's what I'm most excited for. I think Hack's ready to throw a few back and watch a little college football. What do you say, Yogi? I'm telling you, pads <laughs> cracking. Let's go. I love it. it. I, I'm going to say this. I'm, I'm going to mention one name, Archie Griffin, the only player to ever win the Heisman Ooh. twice. Bryce Young, he went and won it this past year. They obviously lost the national championship, right? But there is nothing in my mind, and, and we, we chose him to be our All-American quarterback. There's nothing in my mind that leads me to believe that Bryce Young isn't going to have a better year this year than he even did last year. And he was the Heisman winner. Now, uh, it is a tough sledding there at the top, right? I mean, we've got some serious quarterbacks this year we've got some serious football players this year but Bryce Young being a former Heisman winner being on who I think is the the best team in college football by a relatively large margin um, Hack would argue with me with Ohio State potentially because he's a big 10 homer but um, he's in a great position to go make a run at this it's interesting though because as good as I think Bryce Young is I, I don't know outside of Archie Griffin, which his stats where you can make the argument there. Did, did he deserve it? Did he not? Certainly one of the best college football players. That's not what I'm saying. But um, is he the next guy to be a two time Heisman winner? I, I don't in my heart. I say no. But uh, with, with everything that he has in front of him, I say there's there's certainly a good shot there. You know, it's interesting. Um I'm a Heisman voter. I've been one for probably the last five or six years and I'm often reminded. And when I got it, I was like, let me do some homework about this award. And the award is defined as the student athlete who exhibits excellence with integrity, right? It's not best quarterback. It's, it's not, it's, it's what players displays excellence with integrity. And I think it's become a quarterback award, right? We'd be foolish if we didn't recognize that um, for the most part in college football. The other thing that I think is fascinating is that uh, in the last 20 years, there's only been one preseason favorite for the Heisman. Not, I'm not, not saying according to Bet River Sportsbook, I haven't looked at their entire history, but generally speaking, there's only been one preseason favorite to actually win the Heisman. And it was Matt Leinart when they went and beat Oklahoma in the national championship game. I say that because again, it's kind of where we started. Like CJ Stroud, let's just, he's at the top. What's going to happen all year long. We're going to pick him apart. Just what the, yep. we may not, I won't, I doubt yeah. you two will, but turn on any <laughs> other network and it's what's going on unless he's flawless. Right. And that is just the dance. You two live that. Like you, you literally live like, let me just pick how hack you, you balled as a freshman. Penn state was under a lot of duress. 
okay, now you're a sophomore, you lose your coach. Let's see if we can pick this dude apart. Like that's just kind of the game. I hate it. I, I do not appreciate that part of our craft, but when it comes to the Heisman, you can't tell me Andrew Luck wasn't the best player in the country when he was a quarterback. Like you just can't say it. Right. So it doesn't go to the best player who displays excellence with integrity. Like it goes to who has a Heisman moment yep. in November and you know, Christian McCaffrey. And, I, and I'll say this to all my fellow voters, 15% of you did it. Had you already cast your vote prior to him playing in the Pac-12 title where he ran for, I think it over 350 combined yards. Like you have to respect the award like versus like, yeah, let's just see what, the Heisman tracker has, oh yeah, I'll say that's the guy this week. Like, I, I think there needs to be more of a nuanced study to it. I, I would love to cut the voters, even if I lost my vote, make it a hundred. Like there's, there's that's, like 900 voters, bro. That's interesting. Like that's, that's something that I've always wondered, like what, what are, what is in their brain when they're watching it? Because to me, I think you bringing the actual definition of the award out is, is unique, but to me, it was the most valuable player and it, it you got to eliminate wins and losses like who's the guy that's going out there and and is making a difference both on and off the field for their football team consistently and who can carry that the weight that comes with that and everything that comes with that and i think um that's a great point and i i'd be interested to see you do a little bit more yogi i want to i'd want to dive in on on that with you at some point in time yogi yogi can i put you on the spot for just a second i'm going to ask a question to you in your, you mentioned four, five, six years that you've been a voter, um, and 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 I don't want you to call anybody out or anything like that if if you're not comfortable doing so. But do you think that the voters have gotten it wrong one or more years since you've been on the voting committee? And who might it who might it have been? Oh yeah, one billion percent, Christian Hackenberg. I mean, dude broke every <laughs> record. Like, I mean, I don't even know how. Who won it that year? To, it, it who was, won it uh, that year? Derrick Henry. Okay. Like, I just don't think to the point of like best player, best team, or a guy who I don't even think it's close. You break Barry Sanders rushing record. Like you break so many records in like the history of our beautiful sport. And I was there that day with him. I I was watching it. I was with his family. Like I was just like, wow, like I don't, we're talking about Stanford, like no, no offense to anybody else's degree. Like I'm not going there, but I do think we could all agree that Stanford is the most challenging place to play college football at an elite level and go to school. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that that was, that was an abomination. And I would tell that to everyone who voted prior to the vote, like you just disrespected the vote. Like in my opinion, and I've said it many times since you should have your vote revoked. Like it's yeah. just a slap in the face of the history of that award. And like you guys have been talked about around that award. I, I've just voted for it. I, I went there when Reggie won it. I went there when Marcus won it. I went there when Bryce Love was up for, it. I think I'm going to go there this year. If Utah does what I think they will and Cam Rising is the catalyst, like it's beautiful. And I felt like, and I feel like sometimes it it becomes lazy. And that's why I've got a 10 point process. I'll share it with you guys on our next time uh, we do one of these uh, lives of like what goes into it. And I watch it like that. Like, Hey, what does this guy do? How does he change the team? What is his dynamic like off the field? Like, cause I think the award deserves it. Cause if it was one of you guys like hack you, I've known you through 15 if I just was like throwing it together and you're up for the ward, I couldn't look you in the eye and be like, yeah, sorry, bro. I picked so-and-so. Yeah, like, right. I don't want to say this is why. And, yeah. and that's what I love about the game that we have. So um, there's my soapbox moment for, for this evening, fellas. Um, I want to say thank you. We're going to wrap up here to everybody listening and, and sharing and commenting on social media uh, for you guys, man. 
this has been a blast for me to to connect with you. I, I appreciate the thoughtfulness you brought in the preparation to the All American Reveal. Yogi, yeah, I appreciate it. Always, appreciate man. it, Yogi. This was a lot of fun, man. Enjoyed uh, enjoyed walking through these names, and we'll see how it uh, we'll see how it shapes up as the year comes. As Hack said, we we got to hear some pads cracking now. Yeah. Okay. You, so the next step for for the three of us, um, I'm gonna go to the 50. I'm at the Collie next weekend. Hack, I want a sweet photo from that beautiful backdrop you have, right? When when pads are cracking. And I want to see the 75 incher. If you don't have it already, then like you need your like post-playing NIL deal. Can we make that happen Let's here go. at the field of 12? Uh for me, the greatest win of the night was that last night my seven-year-old fell asleep on the couch watching the show. Now he's awake. So I'm gonna go hang out with my little dude. Hope you guys have a great night. Thanks again for watching. This was your preseason. All-American team brought to you by Bet River Sportsbook here at the Field of 12. Stay safe, fellas. Peace.